The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guests, and callers. And now, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living. And we have a great second half hour for you. My guest is Cheryl Rice, and the name of her book is Where Have I Been All My Life? A Journey Toward Love and Wholeness. Plunged by the loss of her mother into tumultuous grief and bewilderment, she begins therapy only to find herself failing debt, falling desperately in love with her therapist and her world crumbling into a series of crises. And she goes through and really shares with us about our, our assumptions about love and longing and the discovery of what it means to be whole. Cheryl Rice is a speaker, a leadership coach, and founder of the consultancy Your Voice, Your Vision, which offers seminar and coaching programs to help women become leaders in their own lives. Welcome, Cheryl. Thank you, Patricia. It's a delight to be with you. Yeah, yours is, is quite a story. Why did you decide to put this down and to write about it? Well, I think that's really a great question. I decided to write about it as a way of gaining insight, understanding, and I would even say some degree of mastery over what felt like fairly overwhelming experiences. And writing had always been a form of comfort and self-awareness, self-knowledge for me in my life. And when I was really thrown into um, what felt like a, a significant crisis with the loss of my mom, I thought one of the ways I wanted to get through it was to write what I was noticing, learning, and realizing as part of my journey that did include therapy. And the reason I decided to publish, which I think is a a separate and also good question, is because I believed and I discovered, Patricia, through my writing that my stories, as specific to me as they were, also had an element of universality in them, especially as relating to women's lives and themes in women's lives. And I was encouraged to to publish for that reason and also my own commitment to making a difference in the lives of others. You know, one of the things you write about, Cheryl, is that you were a chronic people pleaser. You would give up your power to others so that they would approve you. And uh, that one I really do understand very well. And you talk about how important it is to realize you're doing that and to try to change it. Explain. Yeah. So I think this is such an important concept. And I want to differentiate between, you know, being a people pleaser and pleasing people. And I just want to say off the bat, there's nothing wrong with um, having an ability and a desire to please other people. I think that's something the world needs, and most of us are pretty um, good at giving and feel good when we give. 
The key is to make it come, that giving and that pleasing, to come from a place of real choice and connection rather than a default place where it feels like the only way to earn love is through pleasing others, especially at the expense of myself. And that's when we become, um, I would say, vulnerable to people-pleasing at the expense at the expense of our own well-being, and that's not serving anybody. Mm, yeah, absolutely. How do you tie that concept of people-pleasing into the very close relationship you had with your mother? Oh, that's a great question. Well, and it's a complicated question. I would say, in part, just as most of us are raised by caregivers, mothers, parents, significant others, we're kind of taught subtly and not so subtly the way to gain what we think is love, but it's really approval. And so in my case, my mom, partly because of how she was raised, um, my perception was that she really needed me to behave in certain ways to add to her comfort level, to make her feel less anxious, less alone. Mm -hmm. And I learned very early on, being the firstborn child, being the daughter, um, you know, she used to call me, she was raised in, in South Africa, and in, in Afrikaans there's a word called puppet, P-O-P-P-E-T, and it means little doll. And I was raised mm-hmm. to be her doll, and that mm-hmm. came with, you know, it sounds very endearing, and in ways it was, and it also had some stipulations attached to it about what a good doll or baby or child or daughter, how how a good child would behave. And so I think as unconsciously as it probably was, there were notions of being kind and being sensitive and being solicitous and making other people feel comfortable and safe um, that got conveyed to me, and I, I picked those messages up, as many, many people do. Um, does that make sense, Patricia? Yeah, no, I, I think it does very much so. And, I mean, so many people are raised that way because we're raised that, you're good as long as you are doing the right thing, as long as you're performing in some way, which, of course, pleasing is performing in some respect. So as long as you're doing the right thing and performing, then you're great. You're mommy's little girl and daddy's little girl. But the minute you make a mistake or you fall off of that path, you are no longer so accepted. And I think for a child, that's very frightening. Absolutely. It's frightening. It's threatening. Um, And in fact, I mean, I never really went through that period. It was so frightening and and scary to me that I I kind of didn't have a healthy, normal adolescent rebellion. And I think that didn't happen until much, much later when I, I finally, as an adult woman, had to kind of learn how to come into my own and set my own standards for behavior and for how I wanted to be and to learn to legitimize and own my own experiences and not just be um, coming from a place of default to make my parents happy. And the thing is, you know, my parents were, my, my father's still alive. They're wonderful, wonderful people. So it felt good, right? I mean, that's the thing. It, at the time we're doing it, we're, you know, it, it feeds us. It feels really good to get that approval. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not always conscious of the underbelly, the um, cost to us. Well, Cheryl, how does that translate now, fast forward? Now you become an adult. What kind of relationships are you choosing 
based on that kind of early formative years and that premise? Uh, well, that's, that's, that's exactly what the, um, you know, pa- part of the path in my book is about, how when I was unconscious of those patterns, Patricia, I made very, um, not surprisingly, not always good choices, certainly in my dating life, I would find people who needed me to be a certain way, usually people who needed me, men who needed me, or I believe needed me to take care of them and believe that my worth and worthiness as a girlfriend, if you will, was contingent upon the degree to which I made other people, made men, feel good about themselves or explain them to them or was a sweet girl, a kind girl, a thin girl. Whatever it was I thought was needed, to be approved of. And I really conflated those two concepts, approval and love. And I was just on this habituated treadmill, if you will, of performing, as you use that word, performing, perfecting, in order to get what I thought was love, but really wasn't. But but I guess the question then is, after you gave all that, then how did you feel afterwards? Terrified, because then I was confronted with the real possibility of what now I know is actual intimacy, which is showing up and being vulnerable and actually bringing my whole self to a relationship. So, for instance, I I ended up, I married a man who had been married before, who had two amazing children, and that when we got married, I brought that original pattern into the marriage of pleasing and trying to do whatever I thought would do to be liked. Well, eventually, I got so burnt out from that and fueled by resentment, that that was no way to live. I wasn't serving my new family. So once I realized that that pattern wasn't serving anybody, and that if I was going to make this work, I had to start showing up. And the answer is, it was very scary because the question was, oh my gosh, if I really, you know, if I don't do everybody's laundry every week, will they still love me? Will they kick me off the island? You know, that, that was the fear that if I really say, I'd rather have Chinese tonight instead of Mexican, that there will be some consequence. And that consequence that we fear is usually a loss of connection. So I had to be willing to really say, and I think most women need to get to a point where they say, I'd rather be known and rejected, if you will, for me than not be known at all. And that's, that was kind of the gateway, the beginning of the change is realizing that it's no fun to be in a relationship where I don't count. And, and that discounting, Patricia, was most often done by myself. So that first place where value needs to be assigned and conferred is from ourselves. So I had to say, I value myself. My voice counts. My opinions count. They don't matter more than, but they certainly don't matter less than. Yeah, yeah very important. So Cheryl, when you travel the country and give talks and give workshops, um, what are your major points and what are women saying to you? Well, one of the things that I talk a lot about with women and they talk to me about is this battle they face with themselves before we can really even talk about having healthy relationships with others. It's how do we get on our own side and form an abiding friendship with ourselves. So one of the seminars that I do is helping women discover their inner champion and turn down the volume on their inner critic. So one of the things that I hear so often and notice with myself and with the people I coach and speak to is that that nagging voice, that internal chatter of that inner critic gets in the way of us being our most authentic, content, beautiful selves. And so one of the things I try to do and the messages I try to give is until we form an abiding, compassionate friendship with ourselves, 
nothing else will really matter. No achievement, no external validation will really matter until we come to form a love affair, if you will, with ourselves first and foremost. Yeah, and you know, you hear that a lot today, but I'm not sure people really understand what that means. You know, does it mean we get massaged? Does it mean we take a bubble bath? What does it really mean? Yeah, great question. Yeah, and we are hearing it a lot, and I can absolutely operationalize it for you. It, it could mean taking a bubble bath or getting a massage. That's, that's nothing wrong with that. To me, what it means when I'm speaking about developing that abiding friendship with oneself, it means changing the conversation we have with ourselves from one of judgment and doubt and self-recrimination to one of kindness and compassion and deep friendship. And that's literally the, the words we use to self-soothe. It means if we are frightened or doubting ourselves, that we can literally talk to ourselves in such a way that we would talk to a dear friend or a child or even an animal that was suffering. How can we meet ourselves with kindness? And sometimes I would do this especially, and, and I want to make a point that I, I make throughout the book, I was blessed. I had a very, very good relationship with my mother, certainly in my adult years. And she was my greatest champion, Patricia. So when I lost her, not only did I grieve my mom, but I lost that champion. And I realized how bereft I was for that voice. I did not know how to champion myself. And that is why I'm so passionate about helping women, whether they have a relationship with their mothers or not, to find this voice within And sometimes um, I would just kind of sit if I was upset about something, anxious about something, doubting myself, would just sit in a quiet position in hopefully a sun-filled room. And sometimes I would just put my hand to my cheek or my hand on my heart and just talk to myself in a soothing manner. You know, Cheryl, I know you're uptight about this presentation tomorrow, you know, but I believe in you. And no matter what happens, I'm here for you. So that's what I believe, even beyond the massages and the bubble baths and the candy, and I'm a big believer in dark chocolate myself, but beyond all of that is what and how we're relating to ourselves. That's what I think is the the missing ingredient often. And where does meditation, your higher power, prayer, uh, where does that play into this? Where does that come in? Is that what you said? Yes. Well, I think those are beautiful gateways beautiful gateways to tapping into our inner core. So I'm a big proponent of mindfulness. Any form of slowing down and turning the volume down on the outside chatter so we can connect. And if that's with a higher power, that's beautiful. If it's with an inner power, if it's with both. So I think any of those techniques, yoga, walking without headphones, are gateways to hearing our own voice or the voice of a, a God, if, if or the universe, or nature, for me, is an incredible gateway to connection with my power. So those things are lovely and important supplements, and for some people, actually, the bedrock practice to what we're talking about. Um, since you've written the book, and I assume your life has changed, How has it changed, and how has your behavior of being a people pleaser different? How is it different now? How is your life different? (laughs) Well, I would say my life is radically different in that I am much more apt to check in with myself 
before I respond or reflexively just do something for somebody else because I think it's what a good girl does. So I've developed a habit, and that's what it is. It's, it's not a miracle. It's not a mystery. It's a habit of slowing down and checking in with myself. And so I'm more apt to negotiate. If somebody asks, can you bring the chicken salad to the picnic? I might say, well, I can't bring it this time. Can I bring it next time? Is it okay if I buy it? Or, or a flat-out no. So I'm much more willing to pause, check in with myself, negotiate. And also, and this is so important, Patricia, I'm more apt to believe that me sticking up for myself you know, is actually a win-win for everybody because nobody wants to live with or be around a martyr or somebody who's filled with resentment. So now my giving, when I do give and when I do aim to please, is much more um, beautiful and joyful and from a place of purity, if you will, and pure intention and expression rather than just because I should. Um, so then how has your relationship changed? My relationship, well, I think my marriage has gotten so much better. I think my husband, if he were on the phone, would agree to that wholeheartedly that he now knows you know, I think I'm more exciting to him, actually, because I stand up for myself. I'm not a pushover. Um, I, I think my relationship has changed because, frankly, it's more authentic. I'm happier, so he's happier. Um, and we work harder. I mean, we work hard. It's not always simple at all. Um, it's not simple, but it's definitely more genuine. And, frankly, I think this is kind of the hallmark of intimacy. He knows me more. I've risked being vulnerable and we're not just working off of patterned expectations of how we think we should be, but it's really who we are. And it's very powerful to actually be known for who you are, warts and all. You know, yes, we're all filled ab- with strength and absolutely. struggle. All right, we've got about five minutes left. So, Cheryl, give us some tips for people listening to this saying, oh, yes, I'm a people pleaser. Oh, yes, I just want to be accepted and loved. What are some tips? Okay, strategies? well, the first thing is, If we want to be accepted and loved, that has got to start and end with us. So as hokey as it sounds, I really believe that everything else is a lot simpler if we know we have this soft landing with ourselves no matter what. So, you know, whether we get accepted or rejected from the world out there, we know our love and unconditional acceptance for ourselves is never in question. That makes everything else I'm about to suggest a heck of a lot easier and less um, fraught. Okay, huge. The second step in our relationships is just pausing before we reflexively jump in to please someone else. Just pausing, and if we can, buy some time to check in with ourselves and to see if it's something we actually want to do. To notice when we are pleasing in a way that's really potentially manipulative, trying to get um, something from someone else rather than genuinely using or giving a gift. Um, take note of when we're giving up the power to be our, our true self. Just even noticing, and I really believe, so it's pausing, it's noticing. I think resentment is always a great barometer of when we may be bending too much or maybe people-pleasing without regard to ourselves. It can be a great, um, like, yellow warning sign. Remind well, and also, again, couldn't, yeah. it, couldn't it also be that when... A good, a good clue would be when you're giving and when you finish, you feel awful. Yes. You don't feel, you just feel empty inside. Completely. Empty, used, um, yeah, frustrated, absolutely. 
those feelings we have are there for a reason, and they are absolutely good teachers. Yeah, if we, and, you know, it's that's so wise, Patricia, because sometimes we do have to back into this. So as I say to my clients, you know, be gentle with yourself. It's not something that's a light switch. It wasn't for me. It's been years in the making, and I'm still a practitioner. All of us, we're all practice, practitioners. You know, we're never quite there there. Um, but I do believe my consciousness has been raised tremendously, and I have more versatility in my choices. So it's pausing, it's noticing, it's not being hard on ourselves when we do kind of fall back into an old pattern. It's being willing to negotiate on our best behalf, um, and it's trusting that our thoughts and feelings and desires are valid. I think that's so vital. Absolutely. Um, you know? And uh, like you said, respecting and honoring them. Oh, and yeah. talking, you know, talking to that little child within you and saying, I hear you. you know, I hear, hear you, and I can take care of you, and I love you no matter what. I love you. That, what we most want to hear from others, like that's another technique I suggest to clients sometimes, Patricia, is I'll ask them, what do you most want to hear from your mother, from your child, from your husband? And they'll tell me, and I'll have them write it down. And then I say, okay, that's your homework. I want you to say that to yourself, you know, at least five times today. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. our work. And it's, it's such important and beautiful work because it really allows us to come home to ourselves. And Absolutely. I think a lot of us are quite homesick for that relationship with ourselves. Yeah, beautifully said. All right, Cheryl, the, my, the book is Where Have I Been All My Life? A Journey Toward Love and Wholeness. My guest has been Cheryl Rice. And the subtitle is Losing My Mother, Falling for My Therapist, and Finding True Love. We didn't get into falling for your therapist, but obviously, whatever happened helped you to move toward wholeness in your life. Most definitely, Patricia. All right. And again, how can people get the book? They can get it on Amazon, or they can go to my website, yourvoiceyourvision.com. But it is on Amazon as well. All right. All right. Stay on the line for a minute, Cheryl. Okay. All right, folks. Um, that closes out this edition, this segment, program of Patricia Raskin Positive Living. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. I'm also offering transition coaching for anybody going through life transitions, and I offer a complimentary uh, 15-minute consultation. So uh, give it a try. Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Until next time, have a great week. I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Patricia Raskin's Positive Living. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 